Well, welcome, and I am looking forward to bringing the word to you this morning. Uh, Phil, as I mentioned, that God's presence is here, and he's here because you're here. You bring God's presence wherever you are. Uh, before I w- get into my message today, I want to just let you know about something in case you don't know this. Uh, as a pastor, uh, since the beginning of March, I have been doing daily Bible studies where I go through a chapter of the Bible and do an expository verse-by-verse teaching on that particular chapter. I release them 8 a.m. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday on my YouTube channel, uh, my Facebook page, and my Instagram, and I think we've actually got that. Now, I'm not trying to build a fan base, okay? But I need to let you know that this is a resource for you that I'm doing. If you don't want to look at it, that's fine. But I'm trying to equip you with what the Word of God actually means so that you can then apply it to your life and then you can also share it with other people. But I have done now over 160 chapters of the Bible that you can go and look and say, oh, what what does that actual verse and word mean? And and I break it down as much as I can. So that's just a resource. I just want you to be able to use it uh, if it helps you. Now, today we are talking about holding nothing back in a very important area of our life. If I was to ask each of you, who wants to get to the end of their life and have lived the perfect will of God? Who would, what, would, you, would you, if you love Jesus, I'm guessing like me, you would, you'd raise your hand, right? There's only one way to do that, and that is to hold nothing back in your communication with God, in your prayer life with God. So here's where we're gonna start today. We're gonna start, and I, I know this is gonna come as a massive surprise to you, We're going to start with Jesus. (laughs) And guess where we're going to end? Jesus. And guess what's going to be in the middle? Jesus. We're having a Jesus sandwich this morning because without him, you can't live the perfect will of God. So what did Jesus say about prayer? Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7. Ask, it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock, it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you? If his son asks for bread, we'll give him a stone. Or if he asks for fish, we'll give him a serpent. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Here Jesus teaches us what God himself has to say on the matter of prayer. And it's in a language that made sense to his audience. Now you have to understand, when Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount, they didn't have the New Testament, they only had the Old Testament. And the words ask, and it will be given to you, are all through the Old Testament. This was not the first time they were hearing this, and it was also Jesus' own experience. Psalm 2, verse 8, David wrote, Ask of me, and I will give the nations as an inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. One of the very first things that Jesus taught about prayer is because of God's promises found in the Bible, which by the way, all of God's promises are about unlocking generosity that you and I do not deserve. Because of that, we can know that when we ask, God will give. Ask, seek and knock. Don't refer to different kinds of actions. They're all directions to make sure we live in a state of consistent and constant prayer. And the promise attached to all three of them 
is that God will always answer prayer. Now, you and I have all been in situations where we have seemingly had our prayers unanswered. Does that mean the promises of the word of God are not true? No, not at all. Because the kind of prayer that Jesus is talking about here in Matthew 7 is continuous, consistent prayer. One-time prayers are not promised an answer. But a life of consistent, continuous prayer is promised continuous, consistent answers. You and I should be seeking, knocking, asking all day, every day. Should just be how we live. And it applies to everyone. Doesn't matter how good or bad you think you are. All of us should be praying all day, every day. And Jesus says we should believe these things because of the nature of the character of God. Jesus' point here is simple. He says, listen, if you're a human father, which means you're evil, because you kind of, you've got evil in you, and you, now, I mean, even my own children would call me evil sometimes. You're an evil father, yet you know how to give good things to your kids when they ask. How much more are your heavenly father? And he's good, by the way. Of course, whenever he gives you something, when you ask for something, it's going to be good for you. Now, sometimes I give our kids broccoli when they ask for junk food, but it's good for them. See, God promising to give us only good things when we pray doesn't mean he's promising to give us what we pray for. He's promising to answer your prayer. He's not promising to fulfill your Amazon order. You don't get to select. I'd like this, 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 this. Boom. Delivery date. I selected Prime. Come on, Jesus. Two days. Can you believe he hasn't answered yet? Even paid the subscription. I've been tithing. Been tithing. Been giving to Kingdom Builders. Hasn't answered a prayer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't say it. You don't think like that. Gut check. See, here's the thing. Tim Keller says this, we should pray a certain way because God will only give you what you would have asked for if you knew everything he knows. So how do we pray like this? 1 John 5 verse 13, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Now, this is the confidence we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. So John is saying that since we know that we have eternal life because of Jesus, we can have boldness and confidence in relation to God, specifically confidence that he will hear us when we pray according to his will. Well, the first thing to remember is that you and I have been children. We know what it is to ask for something for selfish reasons. We know what it is to ask for something that we know is not good for us. But we kind of hope, just like our kids, they'll wear you down. Kids will wear you down. They'll keep asking and asking and asking for something. And you know you shouldn't give it to them. You know you shouldn't give in. But eventually you go, oh, just, just shut them up. 
So let me say that to pray for an outcome that you know is not God's will or to pray with selfish or sinful motives is not to pray for God's will and you should not expect those prayers to be answered. I need to be clear on that. Can't have you living in some kind of uncertainty. Why? Because God's willpower is a lot stronger than some of you mums and dads. Some of you mums and dads, there's conviction rising up in softy parents right now. Because you give in. And you shouldn't. Because you're not modelling for your children what God does as a father. So stop it. In Jesus' name. We need to understand that God has a perfect will and plan for our life. And within us is the desire to just want to do what we want to do. But you can't live for Jesus like that. Jesus himself struggled with knowing the will of God. Have you ever thought about that? Jesus himself didn't always know what God's will was. Do you know Jesus doesn't know when he's coming back? Only God the Father knows when Jesus is coming back. That's why if any human ever says, yes, I know when Jesus is coming back, if you see a YouTube channel that says, I found out when Jesus is coming back, uh, yeah, liar, deceiver, everything but Jesus. Okay? Because Jesus himself doesn't know. So what makes you think that God decided to tell you? Now, Jesus knew that sometimes God the Father might have a different answer than what Jesus himself was even hoping for. So let me tell you, you find yourself in that situation, Jesus knows exactly what it's like. But he knew it was always right to defer to God's plans. He was was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he acknowledged that God's will had to be done. But if he could get out of going to the cross, he would have at that point. And he said in Luke 22, Father, if it is your will, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Do you know, let me make this personal for you. He said, God, if there's a way that you can take this suffering of the cross from me, please. But if it's the only way Joe can get to heaven for eternity, I'll do it. If it's the only way that Joe can make it, I'll do it. If it's the only thing that'll save Joe's soul, I'll do it. That's why the Apostle Paul said he died for me. Whatever your name is, Jesus died for you. Jesus went to the cross. You know, he never got an answer. Do you know Jesus never got an answer to his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane? God never said to him, yeah, by the way, it is my will. He heard nothing. So when you hear nothing... You keep on the track that God already has you on. See, we should only want our prayers to be answered if they're in alignment with God's will. We should be glad about the fact that God only answers our prayers when they're in accordance with his will. Why? Because his will is always going to be better than our will. The problem is is that our, our, our prayers are so often driven out of anxiety and stress and, 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 the, and the problems of this world. And we, we think that if God would just answer our prayer the way we, we asked for, that everything would just be okay. But Paul writes in Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer. And supplication, I'm going to talk about supplication in a second. With thanksgiving, Let your request be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds 
through Christ Jesus. The Bible says that prayer is the alternative to anxiety. But we need to pray in every situation. Prayer should involve supplication. What is that? It just means supplying your request to God. But you have to also thank God that whatever his answer is, you're okay with it. That is what brings peace. Not getting what you ask for, that doesn't bring peace. It's whatever God answers, that's what brings peace. And it's interesting because the Philippians, the, the, the church in Philippi that Paul was writing to, they had very similar to us, they had reasons where they as a society could be very legitimately anxious. They had strong enemies building up around them. Their leader, Paul, was in terrible trouble. His assistant, Epaphroditus, was very sick. And Paul said, I do not give you permission, even though all these things are going wrong, I do not give you permission to get anxious. It's the same as us. We live in times right now where you could come up with reasons. You, you could list why you should be anxious right now about the world, about this country, about the state of what's going on. We, we could very legitimately come up with reasons to be anxious. But Paul says, I don't give you permission. So we need to stop giving ourselves permission. Now, you, you know, I tell you what messes us up is because we don't pray. Do you know what we do? We have conversations with ourselves. Where our own brain talks to, it, to itself. That's dangerous. Because you end up down rabbit holes that your brain has no, no business being in. Instead of talking to yourself, why don't you talk to God? Got way better answers. See, that's all prayer is. It's talking to God. People say, well, I don't know if I know how to pray. Do you know how to talk? Do you know how to communicate? You know how to pray. Boom, that's it. I don't need to do a long sermon on it. Okay, however you talk and communicate to other humans, that's how you talk and communicate to God. Very, very simply. And we're not meant to just pray about big things. We're meant to pray about everything in every situation. Too often, too many people try to handle the little things in life and they only bring the big things to God. Bad move. Recipe for disaster. Don't do that. See, the solution is to trust God in every situation through prayer. Paul tells us that prayer, this supplying of requests and giving thanks, doesn't just combat anxiety, it actually does something positive. It releases peace in us. And the peace here that's used, the Greek word, is not just about an inward peace, it's about a peace with other people. When Paul speaks about this peace guarding our hearts and minds, he actually uses a military metaphor. And he says, basically, what, what God's going to do is build a fort around your mind and around your heart. And guess who the fort is? Sorry, can't hear your voices, lovers of Jesus. Guess who your fort is? That's right. Jesus is your fort. That's the best fort you can have. That's the ultimate kid's paradise fort. Uh, a peace that surpasses all understanding. I tell you what that means. It means two things. It means one, you'll never get it. You'll never get it. It will never make sense to you. And secondly, God's peace is more effective at removing anxiety than your intellectual capacity and reasoning. So, let's talk about prayer. 
and who we're meant to pray to. So I think this, this, this can like mess up a few Christians. They're like, okay, so who do I pray to? Do I pray to God? Pray to Jesus? Am I allowed to pray to the Holy Spirit? I'm not sure how it all works. The answer is all of the above. Because they are three separate and they are one. But the Apostle Paul makes it very simple for us in one very simple verse in Ephesians and wraps it all up with a nice little bow on it so that we're not confused. Ephesians 2 verse 18. For through him, Jesus, we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Jesus, God, Holy Spirit, boom, one verse, there it is. Because of Jesus, we have access to our Heavenly Father through the power of the Holy Spirit. And all three are needed in our prayer life. And that's why there is an importance in praying in Jesus' name. John 16, Jesus said, In that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly I say that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Jesus, when he said, in that day you will ask me nothing, he's talking about the day when the, the, the disciples are standing around and Jesus has died and now he's resurrected. And they're just so gobsmacked, they don't even know what to pray. But the pathway to an audience with God became more open, not more closed, when Jesus died and rose again. So Jesus is saying, pray to the Father in his name. Now, in John 15, verse 16, Jesus said this to his disciples. Remember, Jesus chose his disciples. By the way, rabbis in that time, uh, what would happen is uh, if you were a follower of a certain rabbi, you would choose which rabbi you followed. Jesus was the very first rabbi to say, no, 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 I don't work that way. I choose you. It says in John 15, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. The fact that we have been appointed to go and bear fruit and that we've been appointed to receive whatever we ask for from the Father in Jesus' name are two ways of saying the same thing to the disciples. Number one, reminding the disciples that whatever success they have in bearing fruit in the course of their mission to the world was gained through answered prayer and secondly, would only ever be gained through answered prayer. In other words, Jesus chose his followers to be people who would pray in his name, receive what they asked for, and then bear fruit. That's God's plan for prayer for your life. That's how you and I stay on track. So what does it mean to pray in Jesus' name? It doesn't mean just adding on in Jesus' name at the end of the prayer. There's been a lot of prayers that had in Jesus' name on the end of it that were actually not in Jesus' name. And consequently, there was, or subsequently, there were also prayers that didn't have the words in Jesus' name at the end of them that were actually prayed in Jesus' name. What do I mean? Praying in Jesus' name means to pray for things for Jesus' sake in line with God's purposes. It means, in effect, to pray as if we were Jesus. Now, you might think, well, that's a weird thing because I'm not Jesus. Let me let you in on a surprise. When you give your life to Jesus... The Apostle Paul said in Galatians 2, it is no longer I who lives, it is Christ who lives in me. So praying in Jesus' name means realising 
that Jesus Christ's work for us is happening in us. And it's for that reason that we can approach God the same way Jesus did. And, that's, and there's only one way to pray with boldness. And that's through the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, when you hold nothing back in prayer, unless you rely on the power of the Holy Spirit, you will never achieve God's perfect will for your life. Ephesians 6.18, which, by the way, we're going to be doing a Holy Spirit retreat day in the, in, the, in the coming weeks, just trying to work out some logistics of how we pull it off, but I just know that we need it as a church. And that's where we teach everything about what we believe about the Holy Spirit and you have the opportunity to ask questions. Ephesians 6.18, if, says this, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all of God's people, all the saints. To pray in the Spirit means to seek the Holy Spirit's guidance, His direction and His help constantly in our prayer. It's like having the Holy Spirit constantly beside you. And, and as you're walking along, He says, yeah, yeah, you need to pray for that person. Yeah, yeah, and this is what you need to pray for them. Oh, and by the way, you need to pray for yourself right now. Um, oh, yeah, and, and this is what you should pray for right now. That, that, that's how he operates. He's constantly just telling us what to pray for, how to pray for them. For ourselves and for others. Praying the Holy Spirit means praying with the Holy Spirit's power and direction. Build you up. Listen, if you're feeling down, do you know what you're meant to do? It's great to be able to say, listen to other people. Could you pray for me? I'm having a tough week. But you also kind of have your own responsibility. Because Jude 1 verse 20 says, You, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. That's a command. It's not a suggestion. If you're having a down day, build yourself up. How? Power of the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you when you give your life to Jesus. That's pretty awesome. I think that the prayer in the Holy Spirit defines the life of those who are true people of God. That's how we can make sure we don't get off track from the perfect will of God. Holding nothing back in prayer helps us stay in the perfect will of God. Romans 8.26, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. When you don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit does. Oh, that's good. That's good to know. And because the, only, the Holy Spirit can only point people to Jesus, when you pray in the power of the Holy Spirit, your prayers are pointing people to Jesus. Can't do anything else. And the perfect will of God. The Holy Spirit intervenes in our prayers. Do you like that? I like that because it's kind of like you can get a little bit off track in your prayer and you need somebody to go, whoa, 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 getting a little selfish there. <laughs> sorry, sorry to convict you, but you're kind of asking for your own uh, benefit. Yep. <laughs> I know you don't want it to rain on your wedding day, but oh, I may have slightly different plans. <laughs> you, 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 the whole, he intervenes. And he just reminds us that he's always got eternal purposes in mind and they might be a little different than ours. Now, as we conclude, it's appropriate to remember one very simple fact that none of this is possible without Jesus. I think that deserves a way louder. Amen. None of this is possible without Jesus. Amen. Hebrews 4 
14, seeing then, talking about Jesus, that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathise with our weaknesses. Jesus has been through everything you've been through, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The free right to approach God with boldness was given to you and me when Jesus rose again. When Jesus paid the price on the cross so that we could receive mercy and grace. You receive mercy, you find grace. What's mercy? Mercy is the withholding of all the punishment you deserve as a sinner and I deserve as a sinner. And grace is the giving of good gifts that you and I don't deserve. So we get both. We get spared the punishment and then we get the extra blessings. If you hold nothing back in your prayer life, mercy and grace will be yours when you need them. So what's the greatest prayer that you can ever pray? The greatest prayer you can ever pray is the prayer that says, Jesus, I wanna give my life to you and I wanna accept your free gift of salvation. And we're gonna do that in a second. And the second greatest prayer that you can ever pray is once you've given your life to Jesus, this is the second greatest prayer you can ever pray. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. If we prayed every prayer with a nevertheless, we would live a life for God. If we prayed every single prayer with nevertheless, we'd get our eyes off ourselves. We'd get our eyes off our own ambition, our own desires, our own plans, and they'd all be substituted with God. But that can only happen just like Jesus by saying, nevertheless. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes because I wanna give people an opportunity to give their lives to Jesus this morning. The Bible says that we all need to be saved. What do we need to be saved from? An eternal isolation from God and we need to be saved to an eternity with God and that can only happen one way. Romans 10 says this, that if we confess Jesus with our mouth, and believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. There you go, that's the formula. So you need to accept Jesus Christ. Confess Him with your mouth. Believe in your heart right now that God actually did raise Him from the dead. And you'll be saved. And I'm not gonna embarrass everybody, not one person. We do this in our church every single service. And right now, well, you're sitting there and every head is bowed and every eye is closed and you're saying, I need to be saved. Or maybe you were saved and you need to come back today to Jesus. Then just lift up your hand right now. Say, yeah, I need Jesus as my Lord and Saviour. I see your hand, I see your hand. Lift your hand up big. Don't, don't give him a bent elbow. Give him everything. I see your hand, I see your hand, I see your hand, I see your hand, I see your hand. There are hands going up everywhere, people. I'm telling you, Jesus is changing people's lives this morning. If that's you, lift your hand. Just say, yes, Jesus, I need you. I need you. I need you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Today's the day to seal your eternity in Jesus Christ. 
to start a new prayer life of nevertheless. And if that's you, last opportunity, just lift your hand. I see your hand. Glad we waited. I see your hand. I see your hand out the back. While every head is bowed and every eye is closed, I'm gonna ask everybody who raised their hand to pray this prayer out after me out loud. But I want everybody in this room to pray it alongside. Let's pray it as a family of God, dear Jesus. I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong. I repent of my sin. Thank You, Jesus, for dying for me. Please come into my heart today. Fill me with Your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Amen. Church, can we stand and thank God for lives changed this morning? My, my second challenge, who wants to pray a nevertheless prayer? Some of you right now are in situations where this message has convicted you about something you've been praying about right now and you need to change course in how you're praying and how you're acting. You need, this is a course correction message for you. I know it as your pastor, I know it. Holy Spirit just put this message on me this week and I'm like, people are heading in the wrong direction and they need the Holy Spirit to intervene. Holy Spirit needs to intervene in your prayers. Heads bowed, eyes closed. That's you, just lift your hand. Say, yep, I know I've been heading my own selfish direction. I've been trying to make this all work for me. My prayers are just about me. Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, for every person, Lord, right now across this place, Lord, that has fallen, Lord, into into this place of just praying selfish prayers, Lord. Not, Not for any bad reason, God. I pray there'd be no condemnation on them, but just conviction right now that the Holy Spirit would intervene in their prayer and that they would now pray all about Jesus. That Jesus, the one who saved them, the one who died for them, the one who lives for them, the one who gives them plans. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.